Thank you. Hello, everyone. I got to throw a little wrench here now, now and again t- to them. I forgot to tell them that your kids are staying in here. <laughs> Such a slacker. Oh, my goodness. So how's everyone doing this morning? Doing good? Well, good to be here. Uh, so this is the first time I get to preach here at my home church, Life Community Church. I am so excited about it. So I want to thank our pastors, Randy Hewitt and uh, Tina, because, you know, they've given me this chance. So um, I'd like to uh, share two things real quick. I'm wearing this pink shirt in honor of my boy, Gabriel, because my boy, Gabriel, loves pink and he loves purple. Those are his favorite colors. All right. So, you know, men wear pink and purple, too. Right. So here we go. So that's the first one. And then the second one. Um, You know, I grew up in a Catholic church Uh, as a kid. I was confirmed and I was baptized, uh, you know, in the Catholic church. And, you know, we were, I would say we were seasonal uh, folks. Um, You know, I I mean, obviously I didn't have any control over it. My mom and my dad were seasonal Catholics. In in other words, there were seasons they went, seasons they didn't go. Uh, You know, in the special days is when they went. And that's how I grew up in church. Um, And the church was very quiet. I mean, the, the father spoke, and no one said a word, right? Or at least you weren't supposed to. Um, and then uh, when I started going to, to a, a Christian church, I started going to a Baptist church. In a Baptist church, uh, they're a little bit, depending on where it is, I guess, uh, or how traditional it is. You'll hear an amen here and again, or you don't hear anything. You just never know what you're going to get uh, in a Baptist church. So that's why I grew up. I went to several different Baptist churches and some were louder than others. Um, and then I, uh, we left, uh, uh, the Baptist church started coming here to a non-denominational church. My wife, she grew up in a Pentecostal church. And a Pentecostal church, you know, y'all know how rowdy you Pentecostals get. Uh, I'm not that rowdy. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a really, um, Randy and I are, or I really, uh, how do you say that? Um, with. Randy's preaching, I relate to. I'm very similar in the way that he preaches. That's what I'm trying to say. So uh, I say all of that to say, if you feel like you want to say an amen, say an amen, right? If you feel like you want to say hallelujah, say an hallelujah, right? So whatever it is that you feel like saying, uh, feel the freedom to say that, right? Sometimes uh, there are times where you just feel, I, know, uh, I don't know if Larry is in here. I don't think I see him. Larry, you hear, you hear Larry when he feels like, amen, you know, hallelujah, amen, right? So if you feel that, feel free to uh, say that, amen? All right, so this morning, uh, we're talking about the refreshing that comes from prayer. So Randy has been on this series, and that, that's what we're going to talk about today. He has one more in the series for next week, and we're, we're looking forward to that. So we're discussing... Uh, the refreshing that comes from prayer. There isn't a specific Bible verse that says that when you pray, you feel refreshed, but you certainly do feel it in your soul. You feel it in your heart when you pray. So uh, there, what I would like to do is look at two different passages from the Bible in the book of Psalms so we can look and see how we could feel the refreshment when we pray to God. So we're going we're gonna to be in Psalm 20, Psalm 21. Only the Lord can lead his people into victory. Prayer is the open door 
that victory comes through. The challenge is to have prayer at the forefront of our lives because sometimes what we tend to do is leave prayer behind us, but it should really be in front of us. So uh, the battle belongs to the Lord. In this psalm, King David, the commanding general of Israel's military forces, was preparing to lead his armies into battle. To seek the Lord's favor, the people gathered in a holy convocation or in a holy assembly to pray for their leader. Here we will read David describing the prayer for military victory offered for for him by the people before he leads the armies of Israel into battle. So the title of Psalms 20 is, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. This psalm is a psalm of David, David written for the director of music. So verses 1 through 5 is Israel's petition for their king. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. They requested, Israel requested that David's offerings would be acceptable to God. A reflection that his spiritual life was strong. If the king's leadership in battle was to be strong, then his spiritual life had to be strong as well. So we can, we can take something from that. Verse 4, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. 1 Samuel 13, 14 reads, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And Acts 13, 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David's aspirations were holy and for God's kingdom. They they witnessed this kind of heart in David. Israel did. David wasn't afraid to show his heart. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew then the Gentile. I find it to be interesting how David wasn't afraid to show his heart. He wasn't ashamed to share his failures or his life in front of Israel. And we can relate to that because we should be the same. We shouldn't be afraid or ashamed of our Christian faith, of how we were raised or how you were raised in the Christian home or how you were raised in a Christian church or uh, if, you're, if you didn't, if you weren't raised in a Christian home, then how you're learning to be a believer or how you're learning to be a Christian. Don't be ashamed of it. It's something to be proud of. It's something to, to move forward in because the reality is that without Christ in our lives, we would be lost. And we were saved by the blood of Christ, so therefore, let us not be ashamed. Verse 5 uh, reads, May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners In the name of our God, may the Lord grant all your requests. Israel anticipated victory. Are we anticipating victory in our own lives? Because it's very, very important for us to anticipate victory. If we truly believe that the battles belong to the Lord, then we should believe and we should anticipate victory in our lives. Now, the problem is we want victory right now. We want it right now, right now, right now. But 
What if victory is not appointed until a later time? What if God has appointed victory for you in years to come? We've got to be patient. We've got to be patient for that victory that God has appointed for you, and we have to anticipate it. Now, when years go by, the challenge is not to forget or not to allow that anticipation to just wither away. Because if we allow that anticipation to wither away, then could it be said that we are losing our faith? Possibly. But you know, let's anticipate victory. Because if the battle is the Lord's, then the victory belongs to the Lord as well. Verses 6 through 8 is the prayer of the king. Now, now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Is this the kind of assurance that dwells in your heart? Do you know wholeheartedly that God will be victorious in your conflicts? We read this and we see Israel and they're saying, you know, they're with assurance, like the Lord is by our sides. The Lord will bring victory to our lives. We should be the same way. Verse 9, Israel's pleading for their king. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. One last time, they asked God to bestow military victory on David as, we, as he went into battle. Are you close enough to your brothers and sisters in the faith to share your battles? Are you transparent enough for them to know what they need to be praying for? You know, it's... it's uh, Friends or brothers and sisters in the faith, they're hard to come by. And when we have folks in our lives that we can trust and that, that love us, that share life with us, we got to be willing to be transparent. If we're not transparent, then how will they know how to pray for us? How will they know uh, or how can they stand alongside us through the battles? Because... If we don't share, then they don't know. It's kind of like a marriage. There have been times more so in the beginning of our marriage than now. But in the beginning, hey, you got to let me know because I'm not a mind reader. Like, I don't know what's going, like, what do, you, what do you expect for me to do? Or what would you like for me to do? Because I can't read your mind, right? Is what I would tell Anna Karen. Luckily, my wife was very graceful, very loving. And she, and she would, you know, she would tell me. Uh, but, you know, it just depends on your marriage. But that's the reality. Like, you know, um, if you don't share, then we won't know. So the battles that you're going through in life, if you don't share, we don't know. And if we don't know, then how can we pray for you? God, I, I want to take a little, uh, a little detour. God allows battles. Uh, could it be that God allows difficult seasons or hard battles to enter our lives to get us closer to him? Yes. Is he evil for doing so? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, we have an adversary called the devil, the enemy of our souls, that is constantly accusing us of our failures. First Peter 5.8, it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Since this is the case, how do we allow the devil to devour us? It's when we're not prayed up. The moment we allow sin in our lives and we're unrepentant, when we hold a grudge and are unwilling to forgive those among us, when we don't choose to spend time with God, when there's conflict in our marriage. Ephesians 4.26 says, And do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Actually, in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 17 through 27, we get instructions for Christian living. These next few verses are broken up into uh, two different sections. 17 through 19 is B.C., uh, if you've never heard B.C., when people say, uh, you know, B.C., my life, B.C., or uh, so basically it means my life before Christ, all right? So verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, the non-Jewish people, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far, far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But verses 20 through 27, we get a life after Christ. So if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ, if you haven't made that profession of faith, then your life right now is B.C. It's life before Christ. But as you're sitting here now, we believe that the Holy Spirit is bringing you to, to make that decision. You're not here for... For no, for no reason. I truly believe God brings you here. God brings you to the fold to bring you to salvation. So when you believe in Christ, when you choose to make that, uh, that decision, then now you have a life in Christ. So now we read in verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. And I want to pause there for a little bit. Some folks learn the Christian living faster than others. But for the others, it takes years to put into practice. But regardless where you fall or those that are closest to you fall, we have to be willing to wait on the Lord to make that change. We, we can try to force it on others. But if we choose to do that, then more than likely is they'll, they'll resent us for it, especially in marriage. We got to be willing to wait for spiritual maturity with one another. And some it takes not that long of a time, but others, it might take years. But regardless of how many years it takes, we got to be willing to fight life with them. They might be, they might be annoying, <laughs> right? They might be annoying at times. They might say some things that it's like, golly, what are you saying right now, Right? Or they might just do crazy stuff. And, and, you know, sometimes they do things that will want to push you away. They'll do, they'll, they'll do things that will rub you the wrong way. But, but we got to be willing to share grace. We got to be willing to share love. Because if we can't do that, then how are we supposed to be like Christ? You know, Christ... Man, he's our great example, isn't he? I mean, he lived that perfect life. He was a man 
that just shared an abundance of love, an abundance of grace. You know, the, the people he was most hardest on were the religious leaders because they were just so hard-headed. And they thought they, were, they knew everything. They were so prideful. They, they didn't want Jesus Christ. They didn't want to believe in what he taught because they believed that they knew it all. Far be it from us as believers, right, that we would have that kind of heart, but that we would be humbled and that we would share humility with one another and be willing to be changed from the inside out and to, and to love those that are hard to be loved. And you know who they are. They might be even in this room today. Right? But we got to be willing to share life with each other. We got to be willing to, to, to extend that kind of love. So we're picking up in 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former, former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. To give the devil a foothold means if you give him an inch, he'll eventually take a mile. In other words, by giving him a foothold, you are giving him authority to control your life. And if he controls your life, then how can Jesus be the Lord of your life? Because if someone is the Lord of our, of, of our lives, then that means they're in control of our lives. And that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants the, to control our lives. Now, we, we hear that and we, some, some of us think of it as negative, straight. I mean, it's just as soon as we, someone says or as soon as you hear someone wants to control my life, then we get on the defensive. I know because I'm that way. I'm, I'm a, I'm a no, anybody know about the Enneagram? So I'm a number one, okay? A number one is uh, someone that loves control. And I'm that person. So, and you know, that's my wife. <laughs> I love her to death. She knows how to, the Lord blessed me with that woman because she knows how to handle me. Uh, but, you know, like I, I sometimes I tend to want to be in control and I tend to, to be bossy and to be a little hard. Right. Um, so when we hear that, we get on our defensive. But when Jesus takes control of our lives, it's for the best because he knows what's best for us. He's not going to do the things that the people around you do. He's not going to treat you the way that your coworkers treat you. He's not going to treat you the way that your spouse treats you. And I'm talking about unhealthy people. He's not going to treat you the way that your family treats you or whoever treats you badly. He's not going to do that because he's not a bad person. He was never a bad. He, he never sinned. He was perfect, spotless and blameless our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he is the Lord of our lives, then we can trust that he has full control and, he, and we can trust that he has our best interest in heart. Yeah. 
And we can move forward with Christ in our lives, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. And we can just, we can just take a deep breath. You know? We can take a deep breath and just say, the Lord is in control. God is in control. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And he is in control. A quote by Richard Sibb says, there, there can be no victory where there is no combat. So Psalm 21, the title of it is Rejoicing in the Victory. This is a psalm of celebration after the battle. This psalm may have been connected originally with Psalm 20 because the structure and contents are similar. If so, Psalm 20 is a prayer offered before battle, a request for victory as David prepared to lead his armies into conflict. Therefore, Psalm 21 would be a prayer offered by David this same battle, which would be the Lord defeating their enemies. So if the Lord leads his people into battle, the Lord will lead his people into victory. Victory comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. But regardless of how it looks on the exterior, trust God on the interior knowing he is doing a great work inside your heart. Don't get bitter, get better. That's a, that's a famous quote from my favorite rapper, Lecrae, in one of his songs. And he got it from I don't know where. Don't get bitter, get better. And yes, I love rap. <laughs> You know, I grew up listening to rap. Lecrae is my favorite. But that's the challenge, right? When, when things don't go our way or when things are tough, when the battle is difficult, we want to get better. We want to blame everyone else. We want to blame our circumstances. We want to blame those that are in our lives. And to some degree, some folks want to blame God. But we just read that we have an adversary, the devil. He's lurking, waiting for someone to devour. And he does not rest. Just like God doesn't rest to fight your battles. Isn't that wonderful? Amen? That's, that's a wonderful assurance that we can have. When triumph, uh, when triumph comes... Christians should give thanks with grateful hearts to God, who alone has won the day. So here we will read David as the king of, and commander of Israel's forces rejoices, how he rejoices in God's victory granted over his enemies. So verses 1 through 6 is David rejoicing. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life, and you gave it to him. Length of days, forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Through all the battles and difficulties he faced, just as we as believers face, it drew, close, it drew David closer to God. 
So through every battle, through every circumstance, through every conflict, may it never push you away from God, but may it draw you closer to the Lord. Because God allows those things in your life so that it brings you closer to him. Because if he, think of it this way, if he, if it didn't allow, if those circumstances didn't allow those things to bring you closer to him, then why would he allow it? Because he knows that if you, if you choose or if you allow these difficulties to bring you closer to him, then they will. <laughs> but who wants to go through them, right? I mean, who wants to go through those difficult seasons, through those difficult moments? No one. When you're in it, it is so tough, so difficult. And when, when we moved, when my family and I moved to, to San Antonio, I thought it was going to be like the greatest thing. You know, we moved to San Antonio for ministry. There were two churches that, uh, that I uh, got to know. I, I preached at a camp for five years in Buda and called uh, Camp Barnabas. And I got to meet uh, two leaders over there. They went to two different churches in San Antonio. And through, uh, through that friendship and through those five years, we, we, we grew a great relationship. And, you know, so one day I'm minding my own business. I'm mowing my, my grass, and I hear the Lord just, you know, clear as day. I mean, you know, you don't hear an audible voice, but just in my soul. He said to me, what if I called you to San Antonio? Would you go? And I'm like, uh, I'm willing, Lord, but, you know, you got you to gotta change my, you, you got to work on my, on my wife, right? Because uh, I know that if I bring this up to her right now, she's not going <laughs> to, she's going to say no. So I just said, and so I'm just leaving it in your hands. Uh, if this is your will, then I say amen, but prepare my wife's heart. Uh, so weeks had passed, and I felt like the Lord was giving me the moment to talk to Anna Karen about that, and I did. And uh, long story short, we went to San Antonio. I tell you what, this was, uh, and so huh, we had Damien, and she was like seven or eight months pregnant when we moved to San Antonio. Uh, so we moved to San Antonio, and you know, I thought it was going to be great. I tell you, that was one of the most difficult seasons of my life, and of our life. It, it, it could have easily pushed us away from God because it was difficult. That's where I learned that, that church life, as great as it is sometimes, there are times where it's not so great because people are involved, you know? And, you know, I, heck, I, I mess up. I screw up. And I, and I tell you, uh, there was one instance with Pastor Randy where I didn't do the right thing. And he, you know, he, he confronted me and, and I repented and I realized that I, I did something wrong. And, you know, so we, we, we moved on, and here I am, right? So I, I, I bet you if I didn't move on or if I wouldn't have repented and, and realized the error of my way, I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, San Antonio was difficult. I mean, the, the, the pastors, the people, circumstances, work, uh, I mean, just battle after battle, conflict after conflict, moment after moment. It was just, 
unrelenting, you know? And there were, there were moments where I, I'd go home and just share my heart with my wife and just I couldn't help but just cry, you know, just broken. And, and it was difficult. And I truly believe that God ordained those, that moment. He ordained that time. And he allowed us to go through that because he wanted us to be closer to him. And another thing that, that he taught us was not to be so legalistic. Before we, re- we moved to San Antonio, uh, especially me, I was so legalistic. So legalistic. Don't get me wrong. I still have a little bit in me uh, because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm human. Uh, uh, but I was so legalistic. And when we moved to San Antonio, man, after all that conflict, the Lord really taught me not to be so legalistic. Um, but, you know... God allows those difficult moments in our lives to shape us and to form us. He's not an evil God to allow these things to come into our lives to draw us uh, away from him. So think about the circumstances that you're going through, the conflicts or the battles that you're going through right now. God has allowed those moments or those difficulties in this moment to bring you closer to him. So draw near to God. Allow it to draw near to God. Don't allow it to push you away. But see, the wonderful thing is that not only do we allow, if we allow those things to to draw us closer to God, it will draw us closer to each other. And and that's the way God designed it, is that each and every person here, whether old or young, whether experienced in life or not experienced in life, God has brought us together as a big family to go through life together as a big family. And we're in it together. And we should, that's the way our heart should be. We should be in it together. And, and, and even the ones that annoy us, even the ones that, that, are, that are hard to deal with, even those God has placed in our life to go through life together, to grow together, to mature together. And that's wonderful. Verse 7 Uh, It's David's reliance. For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. We can learn from David not to be shaken when battles come our way. We can learn from him to trust in God with an unfailing heart. Easier said than done. That's, that's That's a fact and that's truth. But it's not impossible. We can do it with the Lord's help. We can do it with the Lord's strength. Verses 8 through 12 is David's reckoning. Your hand will lay hold on your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them and dr- with drawn bow. And then verse 13 is David's request. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. This is how I would like to conclude. In the battles of life, Christians are attacked constantly in three different ways. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Spiritual warfare, like hand-in-hand combat, is difficult because behind the scenes, the three evils, these three evils are, are forces to, to seek and to destroy Christians. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you feel like you're, you're hitting a wall or you're hitting a dead end, you've exhausted yourself because you've been fighting with all your might. Could it be that it's you fighting the battle and not the Lord? I, 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 I choose to believe that if, if we allow the Lord to fight those battles for us, then we won't be exhausted because we're not fighting those battles with our own strength. We're allowing God and the space to fight those battles for us. Amen? So that's how we feel refreshed. That's a way that we feel refreshed when we come to God and we pray to him earnestly with everything in our hearts, with everything in our lives. And we just simply come to him and just say, God, you know my life. You know what I'm going through. I entrust my life to you. I trust that you're going to do the best and you're going to guide me in, in, your, in, in, in the best direction. You're going to guide my life and I'm going to move forward in you. I'm going to move forward in your strength. It's a choice that you have to make through those difficult moments. And if those difficult moments are months or years, you've got to choose those. You've got to choose to fight those battles or you've got to choose to allow God to fight those battles for you. That's how we should fight our battles. It's by, by allowing God to fight those battles for us. So you got to wake up every morning and you got to say, I don't have the strength today. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but God, I trust my life in your hands. I entrust my life in your hands. And I pray that you would give me the strength. I pray that you would give me the power to go through this day and to go at it with your strength, with your Holy Spirit. When we, when we become believers, the Bible teaches us that we have a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. We don't see the Holy Spirit. We don't see it. We don't feel it. We don't smell it. It's just, I don't know, I don't know why God designed it that way. He just designed it that way, and I just trust him because he knows best. So when, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and the Holy Spirit helps us through everything in life. He not only helps us, he gives us truth, or he, he unveils truth to us. There are truths in our lives that we think are truths, but the reality is that they're not, that it's a lie from the enemy, or it's a lie that we grew up listening to. It could be about ourselves, or it could be about the church, it could be about God, it could be about a number of things. But when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and we're humbled, and we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us truth, he reveals to us that that truth that I thought was truth is really not. It's a lie, and I'm choosing God's truth rather than this truth that I've allowed to come into my life. And that's that. And that's a beautiful thing, because without the Holy Spirit, then how in the world are we supposed to know truth? Amen? All right, so as I finish up, why don't you stand with me? With five minutes to spare, all right, Randy's going to be proud. So I, I want to leave you uh, with this. Prayer is the, in this context, 
is releasing control of our situation and giving it to God to control. I believe it's the release of control through prayer that makes us feel refreshed deep down in our soul, deep down in our hearts. So let's move forward in times of refreshing. Amen? As we pray. And however you pray. It could be in the mornings, while you drive into work, in the evenings, whenever, wherever. Times of refreshing are coming if we allow ourselves to just pray to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, throne of grace, and we lift your name on high. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you. You are awesome. Thank you for being our our God, and thank you for being a wonderful Heavenly Father. We repent of anything in our lives that is moving us away from you. And we ask that you would help us, that you would give us strength to move forward with you each and every day, that your Holy Spirit would empower us and fill us each and every day. We need you in our lives, some more than others, because those are going through the, are going through the most difficult moments or difficult seasons currently in their lives. We pray for them. We pray for them. And Lord, we yield to your, to your will. Your will is perfect, and we choose to believe that it's perfect. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.